Today's show brought to you by Redcon1.com. That's right. Click the link at the bottom of the podcast app in which you are listening to this on. Check them out. Use promo code T20 Quartermiss. That's right. Redcon1.com. There's nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard around the world. Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boys, Davy Crockett, and Lee. Coming to you from the D-Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread on America. I am your host, Don Q. How's everybody doing out there today? It is Friday, February 10th, to it all right guys recording a little later in the in the afternoon at least later for me but busy day work gym relax a minute and i'm here so uh whatever podcast app you're listening to this on guys please subscribe if it's on apple google spotify podbeam iheart follow the show subscribe follow and then share this with your friends. And uh, tell them how great I am. No, I'm joking. But anyway, so please follow the show. Check us out on social media at Don't Tread on America. That's on Facebook, Instagram, and on the Ticker Talker. And also on Twitter at DTOM underscore 1775. And also, don't forget about our new YouTube channel we just put out, um, Beards, Bourbon, and Banter. Uh, first show we just aired yesterday, so check that out on the YouTube. Follow us there. Subscribe to the show. We're hopefully going to do that. We're hoping. I'm. I said we. I'm hoping that that's a once a week situation. Um, but at least every other week for those that are listening. That's what we need to do. <laughs> and. Uh, so please check us out there. Um, let us know what you think. If you have any comments, any questions, you can reach us on the YouTube channel. Um, if you have any comments or questions about the show today, you can reach us at DontTreadOnAmerica.com or on any of the social media profiles I just mentioned a second ago. All right, let me get one more sponsor out of the way before we get into the show because i got a lot of stuff to cover in a short amount of time. So here we go. Don't forget about our new sponsor to the show, Christian Lawson Watches. 
Check them out at ChristianLawson.com. Use promo code DTOM at checkout to get 30% off your purchase price. That's ChristianLawson.com. All right. So, a couple of exciting situations that happened since the last show I did on Wednesday. And uh, I guess we're going to get right into it. So, this was uh, a mic drop moment. I mean, there's no other way to put it from Representative Clay Higgins from Louisiana. Uh, this is him questioning Twitter executives on you, Wednesday. Chairman. I'm going to be yielding some time to my uh, colleagues. There's about two-minute clips, so just pay attention here. Very interesting. Um, for the record, Mr. Baker, Ms. Gotti, Mr. Roth, Mr. Nairoli, are you here under the advice of counsel, and do you have counsel present? Yes, sir. That was a yes? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, I do. Yes, I was subpoenaed That's to good appear. to know. I'm glad you all have counsel present. Mr. Chairman, for the... Uh, for submission for the record, I'd like consent to submit the Twitter files dated uh, December the 8th, posted by the New York Post regarding the suppression of conservative commentators. Like that submitted. Without objection, to ordered. Mr. Chairman, thank you. I'd like to also submit for the record a timeline of uh, events with cited sources outlining strong evidence of the Biden family organized criminal actions would certainly indicate that we've crossed the threshold of reasonable suspicion. I like this timeline submitted for the record. Excuse me, Mr. Chairman, uh, just, where is that from, that timeline? Timeline in my hand, boss. I'll, uh, I'll get it to you shortly. Um, bottom line is that the FBI had the Biden crime family laptop for a year. They knew it was leaking. They knew it would hurt the Biden campaign. So the FBI used its relationship with Twitter to suppress criminal evidence being revealed about Joe Biden one month before the 2020 election. You, ladies and gentlemen, interfered with the United States of America 2020 presidential election, knowingly and willingly. That's the bad news. It's going to get worse. Because this is the investigation part. Later comes the arrest part. Your attorneys are familiar with that. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to spend five hours with these ladies and gentlemen during depositions surely yet to come. But for right now, I'll yield the balance of my time to my colleague, Mr. Jordan. I think. Okay, so there you go. Now, I think it's interesting, me and Chris are talking about this today about this gentleman, and I have a clip here from Lauren uh, Boebert here in a second. But it's very interesting because, you know, when when um, McCarthy was running for the House Speaker, you know, and there was that big holdup for a few days where you had Matt Gates and Lauren Boebert and a couple others, you know, objecting to him becoming Speaker, and they held him up essentially for seat placements because they put, he actually put a lot of, relatively new representatives, Congress people in in positions to be a you know, on these committees that they were never on before. They weren't and or even taken off of. Or, you know, not even these important. You're talking uh judicial committees, um, you know, so on and so forth. And the reason I believe that this was done on these different committees, and it's not that like Gates and Bobert and MTG are all on these same committees. They're on different committees, but they're very all on very important committees.
committees. It was for these reasons. These questions being asked towards Twitter. Now, I'll also say this, and I'm not going to defend these people because the clip that I'm going to play for you in a second is, is pretty damning. But I think ultimately what they're trying to get these people to do is it's not about these four people. It's not about the, twi- the Twitter execs as much as it's about who put them up to this. I'll say this about these four people. They're holding their ground for now. I think the point of uh, Representative Higgins saying what he said as far as this is the investigation part, the arrest part comes later, and that was awesome. Thank you. Um, that is a scare tactic to get these people or one of the, at least one of these people, doesn't have to be all four of them, just one of them, to turn on whomever or whatever put them in this position. And the reason I say that is this. So in this same hearing, you I'm sorry, I said uh, Bobert. This was actually from Representative Anna uh, Luna. And of course, she's from the free state of Florida. Um, Bobert also had some some things to say during this during this trial, but Anna Anna Luna, the representative from Florida, she she brought some receipts to the game. Communicated with government officials ever on a platform called Jira? Yes or no? Real quick answer. We are, we're on the clock. Not yes to or no? the best of my recollection. Not no. to your recollection. Great. Have if you did in the event communicate, who would have had access to this platform? That's the nature of my confusion. Okay. Jira is Did you ever speak to government officials on Jira regarding taking down social media posts? Again, not to the best of my recollection. Can you explain to me why the federal government would ever have interest in communicating through Jira, mind you, a private cloud server with social media companies without oversight to censor American voices? I want to let you know that this is a violation of the First Amendment and the federal government is colluding with social media companies to censor Americans. Mr. Chairman, I ask for unanimous consent to submit these graphics into record. And Mr. Roth, I'm going to refresh your memory for you. This now, this is very chart, interesting. Thank you, Chair. Um, this flow chart shows the following federal agencies, social media companies, Twitter, leftist nonprofits, and organizations communicating regarding their version of misinformation using Jira, a private cloud server. Okay, real quick. Jira is essentially like a private, it's kind of like using Facebook Messenger, kind of. What it is, is it's more of a private messenger situation in the sense that Facebook kind of is, but this is something that you would download the software to your phone or your computer or whatever, and only people on that network, not all of Jira, but only people on that network that you invite into that network are able to communicate with each other. So, for example, if I downloaded Jira on my fo- on my phone or my computer, right, and then I put Chris and then who- this person and that person and whoever, my wife, you know, whatever, on this, we could communicate through that versus text messages or um, Facebook Messenger or whatever. They have – there's other programs or like, you know, what's the uh, – WhatsApp, I think, is another one similar to this. This is more of a private situation. 
And what's interesting about that is not that Twitter executives have a Jira account to talk amongst themselves. It's, like I said, it's a private messaging situation. And what that means is this, okay, if you have Facebook, okay, if you have a Facebook profile and you get on Facebook, whether you post anything or you just get on Facebook to look or whatever, it doesn't matter, you have a Facebook Messenger profile, essentially. Once you have a Facebook profile, you have that. Whether you use it or not, it's there. Now, what does that matter? That means that if someone, let's say you went to high school with someone and you graduated 30 years ago, and, uh, you know, Susie Johnson finds you on Facebook, and she's like, oh my God, there's, there's uh, you know, Becky Smith. I went to school with her. I can't believe I ain't seen her in 30 years. I found her on Facebook, I'm, and you message her, right? Even though Becky Smith might not use Messenger, she's going to get that message. You understand what I'm saying? So it's, it, even though it's private, quote unquote, Facebook private messenger, it's really not. Jira is something that you have to be invited into. I just can't get the Jira software put on my computer and then just start messaging everybody on Jira. You understand what I'm saying? So if Twitter or whomever started this account on Jira, they invited all of these entities that she's going to speak of. On this chart, I want to annotate that the Department of Homeland Security, which has the following branches, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, also known as CISA, Countering Foreign Intelligence Task Force, now known as the Misinfo, Disinfo, and Malinformation, MDM. This was, again, used against the American people. The Election Partnership Institute, or Election Integrity Partnership, EIP, which includes the following Stanford Internet Observatory, University of Washington Center for Informed Public, Graphica, and Atlantic Council's Digital Forensic Research Lab, and potentially, according to what we found on the final report by EIP, the DNC. The Center for Internet Security, CIS, a nonprofit funded by DHS, the National Association of Secretaries of State, also known as NASS, and the National Association of State Election Directors, NASED, and in this case, because there are other social media companies involved, Twitter. What do all of these groups, though, have in common? And I'm going to, again, refresh your memory. They were all communicating on a private cloud server known as JIRA. Now, the screenshot behind, uh, screenshot behind me, which is an example of one of thousands, shows on November 3rd, 2020, that you, Mr. Roth, a Twitter employee, were exchanging communications on JIRA, a private cloud server, with CISA, NASS, NASED, and Alex Stamos, who now works at Stanford and is a former security, of, um, security officer at Facebook to remove a posting. Do you now remember communicating on a private cloud server to remove a posting? Yes or no? This is his non-answer. I wouldn't agree with the characterization. I don't care if you agree. This, Do you, this, is, this is your stuff. Yes or no, did you communicate with a private entity, the government agency, on a private cloud server, yes or no? The question was if I Yes or no. Yeah, I'm on time. Yes or no? Ma'am, I don't believe I can give you a yes or no. Well, I'm going to tell you right now that you did, and we have proof of it. This, ladies and gentlemen, is joint action between the federal government now, and a private company to censor and violate. Let me stop that real quick. The reason he didn't answer that, I don't know that I can give you a yes or no answer. Why? Because he knows he did. She, I mean, I'm watching the video. She literally has the messages blown up <laughs> behind her, and it has his name talking to different entities. 
It's right there. You can see it plain as day. He's not answering because if he says yes, then he's busted. If he says no, he's lying. Violate the First Amendment. This is also known, and I'm so glad that there's many attorneys on this panel, joint state actors. It's highly illegal. You are all engaged in this action, and I want you to know that you will be all held accountable. Ms. Gaddy, are you still on CISA's Cybersecurity Advisory Council? Yes or no? Yes, I am. Okay. For those who have said that this is a pointless hearing, and I just want to let you guys all know, we found that Twitter was indeed communicating with the federal government to censor Americans. I'd like to remind you that this was all in place before January 6th. So to, so to say that these mechanisms weren't in place and to make it about January 6th, I want to let you know that you guys were actually in control of all of the content, and clearly we have proof of that. Now, if you don't think that this is important to your constituents and the American people from those saying that this was a pointless hearing, I suggest you find other jobs. Chairman, I yield my time. So, I mean, there you go. <sighs> this affects me personally because I was taken off of Twitter because shortly after January 6th because of a hashtag I used. Who am I? I literally had, I don't know, three or 400 followers on Twitter. Now, mind you, I still have yet to get my Twitter back, but you know, whatever, I'm able to get on Twitter again via, you know, situations. But nonetheless, my original Twitter that I've had since Twitter started is gone. It's still suspended. And I didn't do anything. I didn't get on there and cite a riot. I didn't do anything. Literally had a hashtag. We go one, we go all. Taken off, bam. Um, the interesting thing is now this this hearing took place on Wednesday. Okay, the very next day, the um the shit was the Washington Post. Yeah, the Washington Post posted or you know posted they uh, wrote a story about Florida Representative Anna Paulina Luna where she may have fabricated her Jewish heritage, according to the Washington Post. A freshman MAGA Republican uh, seems to in inhibit a space usually reserved for uh, serial fabulous George Santos. <laughs> in addition to potentially lying about her God bless, I can't even read. Religious background, Luna appears to have embellished other parts of her personal history. Luna is... is now, here it is. Luna is Mexican on her mother's side and Mexican and German on her father's side. She has repeatedly said while campaigning in interviews uh, with Jewish Insider that she had Ashken Ashkenazi roots and her father was a Masonic Jew or a Jewish person who believed Jesus was the Messiah. But several family members told the Post that not only did Luna's father have no ties to Judaism, but his father served in, in the Nazi army in Germany as a young man. So, um, Masonic Judaism, I don't need to worry about reading all that. Um, some of Luna's family members post uh, told the Post that her father and grandfather were Catholic. Luna's claim that she was raised a Masonic Jew by her father directly contradicts or refrains of hers. You know, blah, 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 blah. So, 
She's Spanish. She's Jewish. She's not. Okay, her mother's obviously Mexican-American. Her father was obviously... I mean, you can look at her and see she's something. She's either Mexican. She could be Middle Eastern. Um, I think she... Her father had one name, her mother her mother had another name, and she used one and then used the other. I guess she was in the military. Uh, she served in the Air Force from 09 to 14, during which time she told people who knew her, described her as apolitical or even liberal. She expressed support for Barack Obama and said her heritage was Middle Eastern Jewish or, West, or Eastern European. In 15, she registered to vote in Florida and checked her race as white, not of Hispanic origin. Later that same year, she filed a petition with Washington State to change her name to Luna, her mother's family name, from Mayerhofer. So I'm going to say this about that. If her father's last name was Mayerhofer, okay, let me give you guys a little inside baseball. If I were to pronounce that name how it was probably said in the old days, it is extremely a German name. But the first part of that name is of Jewish descent. Now, whether or not her father participated in Judaism and all that stuff is is doesn't really matter. She, she was looking at her family heritage. She might have been confused. She's obviously a young person, right? So... Mayerhofer, if you pronounced it German, would be Mayerhofer, right? And the mayor part of that, let me put it this way. Back in the 1930s, if her ancestors, her grandfather, great-grandfather, whatever, was rolling around Germany with that last name, I guarantee you he was marked. Okay? Now, if her mother's last name is Luna, what does it matter? She was born Mayerhofer. She changed it to Luna. Okay? What's the big deal? Then the New York, or the Washington Post says that she was a Democrat, that she voted for Barack Obama, and she was this and that. And Okay, let's say that she was. Who cares? Who cares? I, I voted for Barack Obama. I'm not proud of the fact that in 2008 I voted for that jackass. I'm not. It is what it is. That was the one time I made that mistake. And I'll tell you, and I've told this story before, the reason that is, is because I didn't trust John McCain as far as I could throw him. Okay? And to say I voted for Barack Obama and look at the shape the country's in, I don't think it would have been any better <laughs> with John McCain in there, just to be honest with you. Because he's one of those people as far as... There's no such thing as a Republican and a Democrat when it comes to some of these people. Okay? So, obviously, this was a hit piece on her. A woman, okay, to use the Democrats, the Democrats' um, battle cry or just cry, she is a woman of color, a Hispanic, uh, Whatever else AOC and the squad and all them bitch about because they kicked Ilian Omar off the fucking whatever committee she was on. All the things they used to try and defend Ilian Omar, the squad I'm talking about, 
is the exact same thing the Washington Post is doing to Luna. Now, where is AOC and Ilian Omar and Cori Bush and uh, uh, Rashida Tlaib? Where, where are these winches? I wanted to say something else, but where are these people at? I don't even want to say ladies. Where are these guys at? These women, these whatever. Why aren't they standing up for a woman of color? Because she's a Republican? Because she's a MAGA Republican? And this is bullshit. If you're a woman, and if you're a woman of color, you should support all women women of color. It doesn't matter if they're Republican, MAGA Republican, Democrat. It shouldn't matter. What did she say there that wasn't true? Nothing. Who gives a shit if she said she was a Jew, whatever, or who cares if she changed her name to Luna and says, you know, who cares? It's true. Okay? <laughs> Look at the family names. Okay? Period. But then, so like I said, obviously this was a hit piece to try and get people, oh, look, she's just another lying MAGA Republican, blah, blah, blah. Well, interestingly enough, who lied? <laughs> because the very next day on... Uh, the Washington Post was forced to issue a correction after claiming GOP congresswoman woman was once registered as a Democrat. So, the Washington Post issued a correction on Friday on a story about Rep. Luna from Florida that incorrectly stated she was previously a Democrat. Um, the previous version of the story corrected stated that Anna Paulina Luna was registered as a Democrat in Washington State in 2017 based on erroneous voter registration database. Washington State only requires voters to declare the party affiliation when they cast a ballot in a presidential primary. The Post wrote in the correction top of its article. So, obviously they went after her for what she said. I'm surprised that... Higgins from Louisiana doesn't have a hit piece on him, or Jim Jordan or whoever else they're going to go after. God forbid. Now, the whole thing about this Twitter situation is this. In, in the grand scheme of everything, I personally think that they don't give two shits about James Baker and Roth and whoever else was up there. They want the bigger fish. They want whoever in the FBI or the DNC or the CIS or all these alphabet soup letters that they just told you about. Who was involved? Who who created that private messaging system? Who started that and said, I want to invite you, 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 and you so we can talk? I said this before on the show I did a, a week or so ago, the mass, manip, uh, mass media manipulation. The media is the fourth branch of the government. Now, most times, especially people my age, when you say media, you think of Fox and CBS and CNN and MSNBC and so on and so forth. But media is all media, Twitter, Facebook, uh TikTok, Snapchat, you know, whatever. Those are all forms of media. They call them mass media. Why do they call them that? Because it gets out to the masses. Newspapers, obviously, 
are media. Why is that not technically mass media? Because most of your newspapering is local, right? You have like the Tampa Tribune, Miami Herald, Orlando Sentinel. <clears throat> Those are regional or city, whatever, newspapers. And there's only a few papers that are national papers, you know, USA Today, Washington Post. I mean, even like you could say, oh, the New York Times and New York. No, but a lot of their stories are based around New York situations. So they're more of a local paper. All newspapers carry national stories. So point being is this. Twitter, Facebook, all this. They're still part of the media. So they're still considered in that fourth branch. And as far as the mass media manipulation aspect of the things, they're probably more ensconched in, in, in the the mass the uh, manipulation aspect of it, even more so than your local news, because you can choose. Well, you can choose to watch any of it, but you might watch Fox or CNN or whatever. And obviously, you're watching Fox for a reason. You're watching Fox because you agree with most of whoever's doing whatever on Fox politically and you or if you're watching CNN same thing you agree with whoever whatever on CNN and what they say and their political aspects of things but then you have this so to get off of the Twitter thing we're going to switch real quick to uh, to uh, Senator John Fetterman out of Pennsylvania now obviously most of us know we should know we talked about it on the show uh, he was senator, or he was a person, I think he was a mayor, I don't know what city in Pennsylvania, whatever, running for senator against Dr. Oz, right, just this recent election, had a stroke, I think, back in March, uh, if I'm not mistaken, and um, was able to recover somewhat and enough to win the um, win the election or whatever, but here's the interesting thing is when when the, the race was getting down to the last couple of weeks and Fetterman, obviously, there was issues there to the point where he didn't even want to debate, but he was kind of forced into debate, but he was able to have closed caption and yada, yada, yada. But even watching that debate, it was like, how were people in Pennsylvania voting for this guy? Because even if, here, here's the thing. Even if you didn't, if you're not a Republican, if you're a Democrat from Pennsylvania, okay, and are you just going to willy-nilly vote for, okay, he's a Democrat, I'm voting for him, okay? I get it. If you don't like Dr. Oz, I don't know that I was a fan of Dr. Oz either, but that might be a situation where I just don't vote. It's a no-vote situation, and the reason I say that is this. Fetterman obviously was not well. Okay, you don't just have a stroke and then six months later win <laughs> the senator seat for a state. And I said this back then. I said this was he was propped up to do this to win because they figured he would win because of his situation, his popularity within the state. And then if God forbid something happens to him and he can't be senator anymore, not saying he's going to die, but if he got to the point where he just couldn't be senator anymore. He, the stroke hit him. You know, if something hit him again, if something happened again, he uh, was incapacitated in some way or another, mentally, physically, whatever. Then that's fine. The governor, by law, is able to just appoint a senator in his place. 
So then, what is what would happen then? Would the would the governor say put someone more hardline, more edgy, more more liberal? I don't know. And just that was my speculation. So this happens the other day. A new report indicates John uh, Senator Fetterman is struggling to adapt to life in the Senate as he adjusts to auditory issues since suffering a stroke back. Oh, it was May. Back in May causing him to hear voices that sound like teachers in a peanut cartoons. Um, In-depth description of Fetterman's current struggles comes from the New York Times and cast doubt on the Pennsylvania Democrats' past assertions that he could serve effectively if elected. It also comes after Fetterman has remained hospitalized for two nights since an uh, incident in which he was feeling lightheaded. The time goes significantly into detail on how colleagues in uh, the sergeant at arms have gone to great lengths to aid the ailing senator who has found the transition into the chamber extraordinarily challenging due to the strains of his recovery, which left him with physical impairment and serious mental health challenges. It is almost as if the media is finally prepared to talk about the many issues Fetterman suffers from now, now that the election has been secured. And, you know, whatever. And New York Times is ready to tell the truth about John Fetterman, who remains in hospital third day. Um, you know, I, I'm not making fun of the guy. This, this is a person who obviously had a stroke. There's no maybe about it. He had a stroke. We know this. Fact. May. So June, July, August, September, October, November. Six months after having a stroke. The state of Pennsylvania elects this guy to be your senator. I can't even imagine. I don't know exactly how many votes he got. But of those people that voted for him, there had to be a percentage of those people that had a family member at one time or another in their life who had a stroke. And how can you say I'm going to vote for this guy because you know he's de- he's democrat and I love democrats and that's all that matters and not think that this guy was going to be able to adapt so granted in the grand scheme of things is it really going to make a difference if he if he's unable to perform anymore the governor you know puts in a you know another person it doesn't matter. It's not going to change anything. It's still one Democrat for another, whatever. But it's just interesting that these types of situations happen. And you look at this just like Biden in the White House. I don't know if you guys saw the clip, and I, I don't have it on me, so I'm not going to play it. But uh, So Tuesday was the um, State of the Union, right? Then Wednesday he's in, I think it was Indiana or something, giving a, that's nice giving a uh, freaking thing just signed me out, <laughs> giving a uh, speech about whatever. And he just basically, he's just starting his speech, and he starts to talk, and he's like, huh. looks like he's going to put the mic down. And he, uh, oh, there's people up here. It's like he's just in another world. And I don't know if they OD'd him on fucking uh, Adderall the night before and he just was losing his mind. But my point being is this. It comes a time and a point where people voting for whatever, president, senators, whatever, 
you got to forget about the letter. You got to forget about the Republican or the Democrat. You got to look at the person that's running. Is this person going to be able to fulfill his or her duties as whatever, whatever we're electing them for? And sometimes you might just have to say, "Mm, I don't think they can. So, all right, another news today. This just broke. U.S. military shoots down another object over Alaska. So, uh, the U.S. military on Friday took down an object flying over Alaskan airspace days after shooting down a Chinese spy balloon along with South, on the South Carolina coast, White House has confirmed. John Kirby, National Security Spokesman for the White House, said the Defense Department was tracking a high-altitude object over Alaska at 40,000 feet that posed a, quote, reasonable threat for the safety of, a, of civilian flights, end of quote. The object was shot down within the last hour at President Biden's direction, Kirby said, and landed in U.S. waters. At the direction of the President of the United States, a fighter aircraft assigned to U.S. Northern Command successfully took down a high-altitude airborne object off the northern coast of Alaska, blah, 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 blah. Now, let's say this. Don't know what it was. We're not being told. It was a high-altitude object, whatever that means. I believe that balloon was a high-altitude object. And I believe that balloon entered Alaskan airspace and then exited Alaskan airspace into Canada and then re-entered American airspace in Idaho slash Montana in that region. And then we let it traverse through the country for four days until shooting it down after it was exiting American airspace in the Myrtle Beach area of South Carolina. So, why did we shoot this one down? Was it because we didn't want to have to deal with the bullshit that he's dealing with now because the other one? But then he comes out <laughs> the other day, it's a, you know, I guess yesterday, saying uh, it wasn't a major breach, the one that was shot down in uh, South Carolina. He insists, President Biden insists, the Chinese spy balloon that flew over the U.S. was not a major breach, despite despite its ability to collect Americans' communications. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean government or missile bases or whatever. It's Americans' communication. That means it's everything. It's not a major breach. Look at the total... Look, hey man, look at the total amount of intelligence gathering that goes on in every country and around the world. It's overwhelming. <laughs> you know, it's ridiculous. Okay, if you honestly believe that, if you honestly believe that this thing was no threat, why did you shoot it down? Period. Why didn't you just let it float its merry way out of South Carolina and keep going? And then why did you shoot this one down entering uh, Alaskan airspace? If it was no big deal, just let it float on, right? Now, there's stories coming out about about this one that was found that, you know, they shot down in South Carolina or just outside of South Carolina that um, had English writing on it. They're saying that this thing possibly could be American-made. Now, I'll flash back to the story that we did about the balloon on Monday saying that maybe it's not even Chinese at all. Now, I know the Chinese are claiming that it is, as far as we're being told, anyway. Um, So, was it Chinese? 
was an American? Did we build the damn thing and sell it to China? Because if this thing had English writing, it doesn't say American writing, it just says English, so I guess it could be anyone from an English-speaking country, however many of those there are. We can safely say it wasn't built in China because why in the hell would the Chinese build something and write whatever was written down in English? Why, and if, and if it was, okay, we're going to write the whatever in English, that way if they shoot this down, this is Chinese people talking, the Chinese government. If it gets shot down, then we'll just, uh, we, you know, we'll just be like, it's not ours, you know, it says it's got American writing on it, what are you talking about? But they claim responsibility, so it's kind of interesting. Where did this balloon come from? If China is actually saying, yeah, that's ours, and you're going to suffer consequences for shooting it down. If they're actually saying that, because um, we're being told they're saying that, if uh, that's the case, why does it have English writing on it, not Chinese writing or uh, Arabic writing or, you know, whatever, Russian writing? Just something to think about. I'm sure this is going to be a developing story and. I'm sure the balloon that shot was shot off the coast of South Carolina, the one that was shot off the coast of Alaska, are the first of many high-altitude objects being shot down by our government. Because what better way to take your, ball, your mind off of the bullshit, right? Okay, so you guys may have heard also James O'Keefe from Project Veritas has been suspended with pay. So question is, why? I have no idea. I'm asking you guys why. So we talked, I don't know if we talked about it, but you know, you may have seen where I think it was about two weeks ago, they did a undercover like sting operation against uh, project. Um, I'm sorry, against Pfizer project Veritas did. And essentially it was, it was almost like one of those dateline NBC type things, but nonetheless, so it was some guy, an upper level executive from Pfizer was on a date with a male person, whatever. And this guy worked for Project Veritas. And it was supposed to be like a Tinder type thing, whatever. Anyway, got this guy to admit a lot of things that Pfizer was doing as far as COVID and COVID, uh, you know, the, the, the jab and so on and so forth. And, uh, and then <laughs> James O'Keefe comes out kind of like a, like, you know, not Dateline, but what's that? I, I can't think of the name of the show, but you know what I'm talking about, the To Catch a Predator guy. And, uh, you know, it, it was very interesting. And then a couple of weeks later, you know, this happens where he's placed on leave. Now, the, um, the, whole, the whole thing started with, uh, I guess, a couple of employees or whatever writing... Um, a letter to to the board of directors or whatever. I don't know the the structure. I always thought Project Veritas was James O'Keefe, but these people saying how he's rude and he's mean to to the underlings and he's uh, sexually harassing women and this that and the other thing. All this shit all of a sudden comes out, right? And some of them even claiming that they were Project without 
Project Veritas, you would be nothing, James O'Keefe, you would be nothing without um, Project Veritas. And my, I think it's the other way around. <laughs> I don't know anything. Like I said, I always thought Project Veritas was James O'Keefe. So if I think that, I would assume most people think that. Therefore, without James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, you are nothing. Do you think suspending him with pay is hurting his feelings? No, he's getting paid. Do you think if you fire him for whatever reason, you're hurting him? No, because he's James O'Keefe. He's going to do what he's been doing. And someone else, someone else will either hire him to do it, or he's probably gained enough notoriety to do it on his own, whether he starts his own company goes and works for Fox or TMZ or someone. Someone's going to hire this guy. He obviously gets under people's skin and is able to get them to admit to things. But I think all this started about a month ago. He was on Fox on the uh, Sunday Morning Futures show with Maria uh, Bartiromo. And um, essentially, just to give you a brief synopsis, he was in a Senate committee hearing about Dr. Fauci. And he had all this stuff where saying that the agency approved funding for gain-of-function research in Wuhan. And um, there was a lot of questions. He, he said that there was a lot of questions remain over the doctor's potential involvement in the funding and even the DOD's rejection of the proposal over, over safety concerns. He says, DARPA rejected the proposal because it was too risky, O'Keefe stated. They cited safety concern. So the question remains, why did Fauci proceed with the gain-of-function research under the NIAID when the Department of Defense said it was too risky? Fauci testified before the South, uh, Senate Health Committee back in January addressing Project Veritas documents and calling them distorted while challenging the allegations. Now, this was back um, when Senator Rand Paul was constantly drilling Fauci. A lot of what was going on was via James O'Keefe's um, research. Um, and O'Keefe pushed back on the claims that documents may not be real, arguing that they have been collaborated for authenticity. The documents are 100% authentic, he says. People can pull into question the Marine Corps' major who wrote them, but they're really in an inconsistent here, in, inconsistency here in how they have had members of Congress. Also, U.S. Senator Ron Johnson has written a letter to the DOD, so a lot of questions remain unanswered. Now, the interesting thing here is after that Senate hearing, <laughs> James O'Keefe actually is walking down the hallway, and he says this. So we're meeting with uh, various senators here in Washington, D.C., after the Anthony Fauci hearing this morning and the Department of Defense documents that we released showing that he apparently lied in his testimony. Um, let me just say that I'm not suicidal. I love my life. So, <laughs> why would he say that? I mean, obviously, we know now. Granted, this was like January 18th, and it's not been quite a month, but since then, He's gone after Fauci. He's gone after the Department of Defense. He's gone after the NIAID, NIAID, gone after Pfizer, all of whom were probably working together on this situation. 
So he comes out and says, I'm not suicidal. I'm very happy, blah, blah, blah. Because we have seen situations, and I know we always talk about the Clintons and whatever, but it's not just them. But we've seen situations where these people come out and say something, and then all of a sudden, oh, wow, they killed themselves. We've talked about situations on this show where those things have happened. So we can't suicide him. (laughs) So we'll go ahead and ruin his career by convincing the powers that be at Project Veritas to fire him, even though technically he hasn't been fired yet, but I'm sure that's just a matter of time. But um, there's a lot of shenanigans going on with situations like, I mean, I don't have all the details on it, but last week there was a, a, a councilwoman in New Jersey killed. Yesterday, another council person in New Jersey, not, I don't think, in the same council or the same district or whatever in New Jersey, killed. You had a Minnesota uh, representative from Minnesota the other day uh, attacked outside the Capitol building. She had to fight this person off. What's going on? I mean, we know what's going on. uh, But, you know, we are being told by the media and whoever that the the MAGA Republicans are the ones that are violent and the J6ers and all this and that. And it's in the meantime, you have Antifa, you have all this stuff going on. This is the beginning. And here's the problem. We are already in a proxy war of World War III. You already got Russia media already saying that they feel that they're in a World War III. This isn't a maybe we'll see what's going on, Russia feels like this is that because in Russia's mind, it's them against, it's not them against Ukraine, it's them against Ukraine who's being funded by the Americans, who's being supplied by the Germans, who's being, you know, so on and so forth. In the meantime, we have that going on, but there's so much division in this country right now and I've, we've talked about it on this show a couple of times, and you've heard other podcasts talk about it, that are we in the early stages of a civil war? Now, I'll say this about that. God help us, no matter what side of the fence you're on, if we are in the precursors of a civil war. Now, why do I say that? Because a divided nation is a weak nation. I don't even know how strong we are together, but we are very weak right now, right? We're weak by race, we're weak by differences, by um, religions, by part, you know, voting parties, and it's a lot of it has to do with the media. They twist, they contort. You know, white people are evil, black people are evil. You know, everyone's evil. So we just constant divide, constant divide. This civil war, and I've talked about this before, will not be north versus south. It could be a region versus region. And in that sense, it might be like a Hunger Games situation. And it could not even be that. It could just be you versus your neighbor. Because you might live in a neighborhood where you think you're all like-minded. 
And then come voting season, you see Biden signs up. You see Trump signs up. You see... So, you know... <laughs> and everyone has their has the right to do that. I'm not saying that. And just because you vote for Biden or just because you vote for Trump or DeSantis or whoever doesn't mean that you can't get along. But we're being told that that's the case. If, you, if you're a Trump person... And you're a, and this person over here is a Biden person. You're not allowed to be friends. Why not? <laughs> All right, guys. I did have one other story, but it's kind of going to be long-winded, so I'm going to save it for Sunday or maybe Monday. I'll probably actually do the show Monday because my wife's off on Sunday. But I'll leave you with this question because no one's really talking about this, and I, I really wanted to talk about it today, so hopefully... With it being Friday, no one will blab about it, and I can cover it on Monday. But we're so focused on balloons, and we're so focused on, uh, you know, different situations that we, as Americans, have no control over. And this next thing I'm going to talk about real quick, we have no control over. Um, but the reason I'm going to cover this story on Sunday is because I think it's something that we need to get prepared for. But, and I'm not going to get into the story, so I'm just going to ask you a question. Is the next pandemic already here? Is it already, are we already in the beginning stages of the next pandemic? And I'll give you a hint. It has nothing to do with COVID. All right, guys, with that being said, today is February 10th, 2023. Make sure... You subscribe to the show, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on. Follow us on social media at Don't Tread on America on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. And then if you want to check us out on DontTreadOnAmerica.com, you can subscribe to the webpage. There you can ask any questions, suggestions. You can tell me to go fuck myself, whatever. I don't care. But check us out there. and uh, Or if you want to just drop a line and say, hey, you're doing a great job. Keep it up. <laughs> also, don't forget to check out our show on YouTube on Beards, Bourbon, and Banter. The show we just did was about Super Bowl, and we made a, made a few drinks, and whichever drink we chose to be a good drink was going to be. We made a drink for Philadelphia, and we made a drink for Kansas City, and whichever one we felt was the better of the two, we felt would be the winner of the Super Bowl. So I guess we'll have to wait and see if we're right. That's something I can cover with you guys on Monday, but in the meantime, go check out the show. It's nothing political. That show will not be political. It's just going to be two bearded dudes drinking whiskey and talking about whatever. Okay? So check us out there, and I will see you again on Monday. Have a great day. <laughs>